Damn podcast in the gaming industry. Trademark, trademark, trademark. Pew-pew. If you happen to be a longtime listener and were around for episode 29, you or I guess 25 too, because funny story, we had initially thought we'd be 25 episodes per season, and then yep. I arbitrarily made it 30 because 30 felt better. And so uh, we're <laughs> closing in. No reason. No reason. No reason. No reason. But we're closing in on the end of season two now, and so upcoming for season three. We are going to have a couple of brand new things coming on for you, uh, so be uh, be ready for uh, the next stage of uh, PLG, basically. Uh, that's yeah, the, the best next way evolution. To put it. And um, now, without much more puffing of hypothetical smoke, let's just jump right into hey, that's right the plug walk, and that always begins with our social channels. At people like games is the Twitter. At Lilo PLG is Lilo's handle. I basically just sort of chill on the main account, so just hit me up over there because I'm too lazy to be able to handle both accounts simultaneously. Anyway, <laughs> you can also find us over on Reddit with our subreddit, which is now being updated regularly and going to be active. We're going to be expanding its offerings uh, in the coming weeks as well. That's uh, our backslash people like games. And otherwise, if you're curious where you can find this wonderful piece of informational goodness and wonderfulness it is found on apple Podcasts, spotify google play subscribe leave some love five stars nothing less there might be an issue with the way the episodes come out i don't know on apple in particular they said there might be some delays in how they're published but just know list squad is doing the work properly apple get your shit done right as well anywho You can find us basically everywhere other than title. And now, enough of my rambling. I'm going to kick it over to Lilo for the talk, baby. Table of contents. All right. Uh, On this week of the 13th, really, the episode's coming out the 14th that you're going to be listening to, we got for you the quick scope, which is the summation of the information we want to give you from the gaming industry for the past week. Yeah, so we'll be going over all those topics, business-related, game-related, all the things that you need to know. We're going to follow that up with Solo's something or other. Uh, It is going to be the article that Solo found for the week, the long-form article that actually, hopefully, uh, you'll enjoy. Because I know I usually enjoy what he finds. It is always awesome. It's actually a podcast interview, specifically, and it's part of an article as well. But I'll jump into that and how it sort of relates to our book review as well. But onwards. Solid, solid. Uh, onwards, we are going to bring back a fan favorite, and that's my favorite. It is Lilo's Game Spotlight. Uh, I'll be spotlighting actually a board game this week. So if you've ever heard of Gloomhaven, I'm going to give you my 411 on the experience because I've actually played twice already since last week. So that's actually kind of sweet. And then we're going to wrap this shit up with the final lap we teased last week. We wanted to give you a preview of what to expect. And if you don't remember, it is about companion apps and their role in the gaming industry. So without further ado, Solo, why don't you kick us off with some some sad news. Somber tones to begin once again. Um, and this one is a pretty major loss. That is Stanley has passed away. <laughs> Everyone has probably heard already, but you know, obviously great respects to the legend and you know condolences to his family uh mm-hmm. you know it's he created a world that allows people to escape and uh you know gaming and comics you know comics is part of gaming culture as well and so you know he had a he had a touch on everything um and you yep. know marvel what else is there to say about stanley other than 
we lost someone. Uh, that was very important. And hey, he's gonna be remembered forever for the future since he created all these comics. Like they're never going away, especially with the establishment of the franchise. And like to say he had an influence on video games is an understatement. If you think about it, every video game creator probably enjoys superheroes. Yeah. <laughs> every video game, you know, what I mean? they yeah. probably heard of Marvel heroes. But you know, so. in his honor. Leo and I were just talking Marvel characters and sort of the the whole world. So let's just sort of give you guys a little sample of, you know, what our discussion ended up being. Lilo, favorite Marvel character? Uh, So it's kind of tough because I grew up with X-Men and I love these motherfuckers, but it's the Marvel movie franchise that, like, everyone's probably going to know nowadays in this generation. So, like, although Marvel didn't do them right, I want to go with the Silver Surfer because he was fucking epic. And I remember growing up, I loved surfing. And so it was just like, it's a name that resonated with me. He's a character that's fucking sweet. He's got all the awesome powers. He fought Galactus in one comic book episode. Um, They made some terrible movies about him. And uh, I just, I wish Marvel does right by that. Hopefully with this Fox merger, we'll get X-Men rights over to Marvel. We'll see how that all interlaces and uh, see if we can bring it back. Same thing with Fantastic Four. I don't know. He's the first one that comes to mind. And then, of course, you got like every X-Men character that I love. Yeah. What about you? For me, I want to say Wolverine because right? Wolverine so is memorable. Wolverine. He was my number two. He was the second guy in my head. He, he, but I have to say I go with Spider-Man because, mm. you know, for some reason... <laughs> My favorite superhero is Batman, but Spider-Man always felt like Marvel's, not version of it, but it's the same, it occupies the same place in the Marvel universe, but just in such a different way um, mm-hmm. because of the same sort of narrative storyline of loss and the the response to it. Um, and in the case of Batman, it's a, it's a darker response. In the case of Spider-Man, you see a bit more positive one um, just in terms yeah. of its tone, yeah. et cetera. So it's, it's realistic, though. It's realistic. It's an interesting, uh, uh, you know, comparison. But you know, you know, without without much further ado, however, I guess that might not be the best way to phrase it. Let's let's jump into the into the show and proper, uh, okay. and let's lead off with a, a pretty pretty uh, tame story, I suppose, would be the best way to jump into it. That is Hollow Knight is not going to be receiving physical copies. Um, Apparently their deal with uh, Team Cherry to bring uh, the game to retail shelves, uh, which would have been cool because as you all know, Solo is a big proponent of physical because ownership and not happening. So lo and behold, what can you do? There's not really much more to say about that. And now Lilo, Bring us back up with some positive energy here. I'm going to toot my own horn on this one. And it's just more confirmation that we were correct. Solo and I, uh, well, all the way back in episode 42, if you remember, uh, we covered Microsoft teaming up with that Razor. Would be and that June. was actually a rumor mill. Yeah, way back in June. It is not so, June now. <laughs> in case you didn't know. Yeah. Uh, the weather's pretty fucking cold, so. Yeah. Anyway, I digress. We had a rumor mill, Microsoft teaming up with Razer, making some keyboards and some mice for the Xbox. We also covered that, and when I say we, I mean I did, in my Solo's Adventure, rather Lilo's Solo Adventure Part 2, uh, where I actually talked the confirmation of keyboards and mice for Xbox and how one of the first games was going to be Fortnite. Well... Head of the game, we're just letting you know, they have officially announced a date, and November 14th is when you can start using a keyboard and mouse to play Fortnite and Warframe. Those two are leading the charge That would be on today, Xbox. ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, like, literally, if you picked up Fortnite today, As you'll you notice that competition just got a lot stiffer. Here. Just seriously. It's, uh, either way... There's only a su- small subset of games that allow for mice and keyboard capabilities. Makes sense. They're trying to roll it out slowly. Couple that with they only release this feature to Xbox insiders right now. They have a plan to release it to the fan base as a whole and all the consoles across the board later. However, right now it's just those with a Xbox insider membership. Uh, to my own horn. We got that shit. We covered it. 
you know, I, I have deal. I have to ask um, about that. Is it mice or my mouses when it comes to? It's mice. Mice. Even in gaming, mice. I mean, I don't know. Because mice we're talking about mice. more than more than one. Everyone's gonna have their own mouse. Therefore, talking about mice. Maybe it's mouse. I, I don't, don't know. know. We know? don't know. It's like semantics. <laughs> Who knows? Weird. You say tomato. You I say point. potato. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> and with that, let's jump into one of my favorite topics, and that is legalese and legislation, because uh, it's actually pretty important when you get down to it. And in this case, Sony has agreed to Chicago, uh, or rather to uh, made an agreement with the city of Chicago to start taxing PlayStation Store purchases. Uh, Fucking there is, crazy. <laughs> wait till you hear the amount. There's a 9% amusement tax that will start applying to various so store purchases for city residents beginning today, because obviously that's how these sorts of things happen. And so it is not surprising <laughs> because, uh, you know, as we had covered as well back in uh, June, uh, the Supreme Court ended up making a ruling that sales taxes would be allowed to be collected from online shopping bills. And Lilo and I ended up speculating about how that would end up affecting online purchases in gaming, yep. specifically like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> unless there's like a given amount that is like the baseline that can be taxed, then you're talking about something like every single skin or in-game item that you purchase ends up getting hit with the 9% tax. I don't think they've really thought that through. Is it just a one-time purchase of the game? Is it now monthly your, your PlayStation whatever bill, you know, is 9% tax plus 9% that's almost is a, is a pretty high amount and that's you know, fucking nine, it's insane that's insane you know I, I do respect Apple who has been arbitrarily fighting this uh, under the guise that it violates the tax uh, in, internet tax freedom act which was a 1998 law that prohibited uh, state and local governments from collecting internet taxes or internet only taxes so if, as long as you didn't have physical infrastructure you weren't allowed to have your uh, sales tax and that is such a dated concept especially with the way the economy has moved primarily online but regardless yep, yep, yep. Uh, this is also a potential domino effect and that is why I wanted to mention it this isn't like one of those good I told you so domino effects this is like I really hope New York doesn't try to implement this shit (laughs) in the next year type shit. We could be fucked. Like, I do not need leisure tax. I need fucking vice tax. Actually, no, fuck it. I need something else taxed. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not paying 9% tax on shit because... Yeah, that's... Us as consumers seeded the era of downloading all of this shit for free so that we would pay a respectable amount and subscription-based services were the response to that. And so don't go taxing that shit at 9% in particular. Make it something reasonable, not something egregious. And that is a domino effect, which is this could contagion to other states who are looking for sources of income to plug whatever holes they probably have because all state and local governments are pretty bad with budgets. But anyway, that's all I have to say. This is going to be a story followed up many a times in the coming months. On to Lilo. I like it. I like the blanket statement. All state and the government. <laughs> state, state I government. said most. A bit. You said all. I you did all. If I said all, all yeah. if I said all, I meant all then. Freudian slip. Okay. <laughs> I meant most. There you go. I meant um, most, but I said all, and I meant all, but I said most, but I want to say most. <laughs> <laughs> so, to uh, make you feel better and to sort of pivot off that point so that you forget this bad news and it's what they want you to do, they want you to forget that they're sales They tax. want you. We're on our DJ Gallagher. They Gallag. want you to forget. They want you to forget. Yeah, but uh, we want to give you some good news, and that is some gaming news that came out of Xbox's fan event held in Mexico City called X018. Uh, I don't know. 
X, it's 1018, I think, is what it's actually supposed to be, but it's X018 and X018. It's whatever. I've seen it many times, many different ways online. I digress. Xbox revealed some news that you might want to be hearing about. So I'm going to give a quick rundown of those highlights coming through the event. Number one, Xbox, Microsoft rather, has officially acquired InXile, the InXile studio with studio head Brian Fargo leading the charge. Uh, the studio is responsible for the Large Tale and Wasteland, amongst other games, but that's a pretty big deal because we covered at E3 or post E3 that Microsoft was making mad purchases for studios for those um, first gen, first, no, Jesus Christ, not first gen. Um, Whatever. For all those original games coming to Xbox. Second, they've attained Obsidian Entertainment, which is responsible for KOTOR 2, The Sith Lords, Fallout New Vegas, South Park, The Sick of Truth, and Pillars of Eternity. This is kind of old news, but they finalized the deal, so that's pretty sweet. Uh, they released some dates for Crackdown 3. Crackdown 3 is officially going to be released on February 15th. So uh, pre-order now, or don't pre-order now, because there's no place where you can get a good pre-order deal. Even Amazon only gives you 10 bucks now. Bullshit. Uh, we got PUBG going to Game Pass. So that's kind of a big deal. PUBG you had to pay for on the consoles. But now, for that respectable $10 a month, you can have access to PUBG. And that's actually released today. Forza, uh, sorry, Jesus, I combined two words. Forza Horizon has announced an expansion called Fortune Island that is coming out on December 13th for both Xbox and PC. So for any Forza fans, should be pretty excited about that. Uh, Minecraft has announced some marketplace expansions and they also released numbers that showed they have 91 monthly active users. Holy shit. But we knew that because we covered Minecraft. Sea of Thieves gets its fifth content update patch called the Arena and it's where they finally allow PvP and competitive racing in Sea of Thieves. So that's actually kind of sweet. Uh, Void Bastards is an exclusive launch for Xbox One. And this is, I want to cover this because Solo would appreciate it. It's actually a shooter inspired by Bioshock and System Shock 2. Oh, that so, Void, what's that called? Yeah, it's called Void Bastards, <laughs> but I want a game spotlight that in the future. Yeah, Graphic style I want is amazing. a game spotlight. That it's, a, awesome. it's a strategy. Yeah, it's I, a strategy game, but it's coming out on Xbox, you PlayStation fucking traitor. Yo, I have, I am buying one on Black Friday because that shit's, <laughs> because that shit's so cheap. Fair. It's, yeah. You're gonna get some I never remember. Ideas. I said I was gonna hold on to it for Halo. So true. You know, I and and as we said, I'm down with Microsoft for the next generation as a potential leader. So let's let's uh, let's give your boy some. Uh, some, 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 some credit. I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, let's wrap this up. So finally, they announced a couple other things, but the one thing I want to touch on is that they're doing a charity event, and it's on social media. It's called hashtag Give with Xbox, where Xbox will donate five dollars worth of products for every photo shared on social media about what gaming together means. That's the quote. If you share a picture about what gaming together means to you, donations will then be split among four charity charities, Jesus, amongst four charities, including Child's Play, Gamers Outreach, Special Effect, and Operation Supply Drop. So that's the big news coming out of the Microsoft fan event in Mexico City. If you heard anything you like, yeah, be sure to follow and uh, we'll give you some more news. All I have to say is Microsoft, how in the F do you get the Mexico City looking controller, the one like the one with the skull on it. Did you see the poster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It looks beautiful. And I was like, where do I find it? So respond to me, Xbox, Twitter, or some of the fans (laughs) who might know where to find something like that. Let me know because I want to get it for the new Xbox that I'm buying. But anyway, um, I guess uh, Xbox is making moves that they're building up. So. I guess they're not they seeding necessarily fully this generation. I guess they might might have one More or two, you know, two three games left in the tank. Um, one hopefully being Halo Infinite, which hopefully should be dropping closer to summer. I, I like your style, but we'll see. Probably not. Anyway, uh, I want to follow up a little bit on what we talked about with Call of Duty last week. Yes. <laughs> And that was the fact that it had a very 
exploitative setup in terms of upgrading and getting gear and having loot boxes only have one item and just basically pushing you fully towards buying money you know spending money continually on top of the fact that a $60 game (laughs) comes with a $50 DLC pack the same fucking day we're not gonna even get into that so um, this is actually a little story about a YouTuber named Matt Mike Marr who ended up spending $1,000 in Black Ops 4. <laughs> he ended up reaching tier 9384, but through it all, he ended up only getting one new weapon. So over the course of 1000 wow. real life dollars, this is, he got one, one weapon, one weapon. If that doesn't tell you about the fact that a game that has weapon variants that do have an effect on multiplayer, unless you get the randomest drop, what is the point of spending money then? You're arbitrarily going to get nothing. And if you wait and don't spend money, you get nothing slower because it takes so much fucking time to be able to level up and get anything. And even (laughs) when you do, it's one thing. So what the fuck are you doing, Black Ops? This is why you only had one good week. The moment I played it, I was like, oh, shit, this was not what I had expected. But mm, anyway, failures, the the place is open again uh, for a Fortnite competitor to come in and yep. we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see if PlayStation gets a little bit more momentum with PUBG coming back. But Black Ops, you're killing me. I'm really getting bored of you. But Red Dead, I'm starting to love you. There you go. Just changing. Just by getting used to the medium. Yeah. Uh, You want to talk about competitors to Fortnite and Black Ops? Let me tell you something interesting, all right? Because it's fucking hilarious. The U.S. Army has a competitor to those two, baby, and it's called America's Army. So I'm bringing this up. It's going to sound strange, but uh, it's come out. We saw a couple articles, and I actually found them uh, doing some research for this episode where... The Army is actually making a social media push and advertising esports and video games in their tactics for recruitment. Why? Well, apparently they failed to reach their recruiting um, minimum and they currently want to get 500,000 new enlisted enlisted individuals over the next four years but they understand that this younger generation is locked into video games like we are growing up in the age of video games and so they're developing an esports league and act and promoting tournaments really so they want enlisted and reservists to participate in esports tournaments so that uh they can get awareness with the younger generation and really promote um joining the military they actually had a foray into video games 15 years ago when they launched America's Army and it was a realistic based shooter kind of like uh, SOCOM and that kind of shit if you remember those games back in the day solo Mm -hmm. but yeah they made their own and I don't know if it was successful but it is still around today and they still have updates but they have positions open for the US Army for esports uh, content creators, esports, whatever it's called, social media experts, um, video game designers, that kind of stuff. So they're, they're making a real hard push to get into the virtual gaming world. And then they're also on their social media accounts, they're advertising an AMA on Reddit actually this Friday so that you can talk to them about this upcoming experience. So, Reddit, if you don't know what Reddit is, I mean, you might live in a bubble, but. Uh, Reddit is a social media website where a lot of people. We're going to assume you guys know what Reddit is. We're not going to exactly work. right. We're not going to get into insane. that. If you don't know, I'm sorry not to know. But if you do know, Google it. And if you don't know what Google is, how the right? fuck are you listening to this? <laughs> Let Google. Either way, I wanted to cover it, even though Solo was like fuck, and uh, it just it, it's funny. It shows the power of video games, and we've been saying the reason why we got into this is because we know it's a movement. The fucking military is getting to this shit too, so you definitely know your American taxpayer dollars are going back towards video games, baby. Woo! Bring it, bring it here. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that's fucking ridiculous. You know, that is a movement. We got into it for the love of it. We did. We did. Yeah, you know, the movement army. God bless. So it goes. Whatever. No comment. Anywho, let's now get into a little bit more of my favorite things in life, and that is arbitrary legal judgments. And in this case, it 
is a follow-up of an old story that we did, um, and that was how Nintendo ended up suing the owners of ROM sites uh, for mass copyright infringement. And that was Love ROMs and Love Retro, and they ended up taking them to court, and the defendants in the case uh, have agreed to a settlement, and that is... million dollars that is a little bit ridiculous um, because it is just a I believe married couple that lives in like Arizona or something and to sue them for that much money as the judgment for running a ROM site that I don't believe that they profited from all that much but uh, you know they kind of, who knows what that was. They're probably not the full amount. I don't think Nintendo would have anything to gain from trying to pursue them for the full amount other than bad PR. But it's probably just a deterrent for other people to be like, yo, don't do this. We have control of our shit. And it's like, look at this big fine. Guess yeah. what? Don't fucking do it. Yeah. And it's, it's funny how they then end up taking basic technologies as we might get into and, and, and then trying to resell it while trying to use the courts as a means to inhibit competitors from springing up. So IP, the abyss console wars is <laughs> basically ip wars console wars yeah it really is ip wars it's the same idea though it's just everyone's vying for that fucking intellectual property ask samsung and, and apple about that <laughs> yeah exactly right those fucking patent wars literally patent that we should fucking cover that shit just like patent wars and how the volume just the volume yeah people don't, people don't understand like hundreds of patents are filed a year yeah per company like what the fuck first to file baby yeah it is Ask it's literally no. first to file and then they have enough money to see it through in the next 20 years so it doesn't fucking matter anyway we digress and then they digress. just get or they pass legislation to further extend their copyright protections shout out to disney yeah. yep make some more money look it Whatever. up if disney you are not familiar <laughs> yeah all right Let's move on to something that I wanted to follow up on from the XO18 event. We want to talk a little bit about Crackdown 3 and its announcements that its cloud-powered multiplayer is real and finally playable. So at the event itself, um, people were allowed to play Crackdown 3 and they got a hands-on experience of this cloud-based multiplayer. So Solo and I have been talking about cloud these past couple episodes, past couple really like months and saying how xbox is making this foray and this push to develop cloud-based gaming right well crackdown is taking advantage of that and it was pretty cool so you can watch some videos about the actual gameplay as you're flying around you're playing the mode that these editors played at xo18 is called agent hunter it's a 5v5 match where you just kill each other and you grab badges it's just like a generic pvp fucking shooter type game confirmed. but what's cool is that in this map everything is destroyable pretty much you can roll around and destroy buildings and people can literally drop buildings on top of you and that kind of shit you're flying around it's it's crazy it's like halo on steroids as you can imagine in a crackdown Shout game out to Splitgate. but <laughs> yeah exactly it's, it's kind of like Splitgate, but imagine the world is destructible too long and short of it is that whilst playing You'd expect all this action to have a dip in performance, or at least the frame rate to have a dip in performance, but this cloud-based demo showed no discernible signs of frame rate drop, which is indications that the cloud technology is effectively performing. Now, what's funny is that this article came from IGN. IGN allows comments, and just like Reddit, the best place to look for any information is in the comments. People are just shitting on the demo, shitting on it. And they're shitting on the demo because they're like, yeah, of course, at the event, they're going to have servers that are solely dedicated to this one demo that's playing live for everybody and then for everybody in the building. However, you take millions of simultaneous players across the country trying to play with each other. How is the servers, how is the infrastructure going to handle that? They don't think it's possible. And so other facts that I learned is that Crackdown has been advertising this cloud-powered multiplayer four years ago. So back in 2014, they announced that that's what they were going for. And in other versions of multiplayer games back then, you had destructible environments, you had all these other things with no noticeable performance dips. So 
they're not really breaking ground here is what people are saying. And uh, to get four years later and to have the same level of capability as games in 2014 isn't crazy to a lot of fans. And I thought thought that was funny. I just want to cover that, let you know that cloud-powered gaming, it's new clickbait, but it is going to be the standard in the future for sure. Uh, I like to think that if they had four years and sort of announced that as their initial sort of idea that we're going to pursue this and then they spent four years actually building out a potential infrastructure to manage that it -hmm. could be really wonderful microsoft does have a pretty strong cloud network to be able to potentially handle something like that and it could be the first you know i keep i just keep thinking because the ceo of microsoft sundrup shy is the guy who was running the cloud development tech you know the cloud department and then for him to now be ceo and to see micro the xbox move aggressively towards the cloud is no surprise to me so right to see if if it's if it's done right i wouldn't be surprised if microsoft pulled it off but if it didn't work i also wouldn't be surprised would be my thing which is a lot of people are going to say oh my god how'd it work and it's like you know we play low latency cloud gaming through you know software right now who's to say that a major corporation can't create its own sort of low latency version of it but it could also be a great it could also be a test model to see how uh the xbox scarlet which is their next generation one will run uh so you know there's a lot of strategy bundled into this and so i'm curious also if it's done right it could you know be a good uh you know uh, it's a baseline it could be a baseline for all the fortnite competitors you know, uh, just a game. Maybe, yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah, looking for a Fortnite competitor. I'm waiting for someone to just come out with a game that everyone wants to play that isn't Fortnite because that movement sort of passed. True. So true, next true, game, true. come out. Anyway, um, now, following, this is actually a little follow-up to what was a solo rant back in July because if solo frowns upon one thing and he frowns upon many things so there's just one amongst them it's exploitation of profit and in this case it was epic games basically include and in particular hip-hop because hip-hop culture is something that always coincidentally ends up getting uh borrowed and then not properly compensated so compensate people properly if you're going to use anything from them which let us get some sponsors out here. Anchor, Unico, is up. Starbucks, maybe. I could use a, a card. But in this case, it was the fact that Epic, uh, Fortnite was using Millie Rock's dance. That's two Millie was the uh, artist. And he basically invented a dance called the Millie Rock. And they also ended up taking the dance that Snoop Dogg did for Drop It Like It's Hot. And so the question his lawyers ended up filing suit and the question hinges upon whether you can copyright a dance and you know this actually sort of furthers their case and that is that soldier boy is potentially going to be previewing his dance crank that soldier boy in Fortnite. he tweeted about it there's no sort of official confirmations or anything of that nature but if it does happen unless they cut a deal with him and even if they do cut a deal with him, it further establishes the fact that there is, which IP, you know, patentable or not patentable, copyrightable, you know, IP, IP there, which is the dance, right, right. like the moonwalk. You can associate it enough with Michael Jackson that to a degree you could copyright it, which, which will be funny to see body movements copyrighted but right who's to say arbitrariness does not reach the next level in the 21st century i have forever faith in man's stupidity <laughs> that ended that was like soaringly We're positive but ended out yeah. plateaued i plateaued on <laughs> i was like yeah, yeah never mind never mind, never mind. it's fine exactly. it just makes sense and i it's say many bold claims but that human but no, this is literally this moving is in that one. direction yeah we're gonna be able to like Really, what this is setting the precedent for who's going to be the next viral dancer. Yeah. And then when is that going in the Fortnite, and how are they going to get paid? That's pretty like much like Shiggy, what I'm like the "In My Feeling" challenge by Drake, right? Right. Yo, yeah. you, you copyright that. You have a case for every person who potentially ever profits while doing it to be like, "Yo, you owe me money." Yeah. Shout you owe out me to some Hallmark. Money. 
That's why you don't hear the birthday song in television shows or commercials because Walmart owns uh, Hallmark <laughs> owns that shit. Shout out to go. the NFL. That's why you never see Super Bowl because they don't allow anyone to use that. That's why it's called the big game. That's <laughs> good. The I more you know. Some. PLG. <laughs> trademark, 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 trademark. Pew, pew. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on. Want to cover some uh, just hypocrisy in the gaming world. This is really hypocrisy when it comes down to it. And that's that's the angle. That's the angle I'm going for on this so- solo. So you can either agree with me or you can get the hell out of here. Amen. But, uh, let's make it happen. This uh, PlayStation Classic, you know, we talked about the Asian nostalgia for a couple episodes. We talked about how so many of these consoles are coming out and all the retro gaming is making a comeback. Well, PlayStation obviously in the foray and they've announced PlayStation Classic, which is old news. But what is new news is what they're using inside the PlayStation Classic. What's funny is that PlayStation Classic debuted essentially to a lukewarm reception. We covered the list of 20 games that could be seen or rather that will be seen with the console. But what we didn't tell you is that the insides of the PlayStation Classic is actually using open source software. So if you don't know what the fuck open source software is, it's software you can find on the internet and use and customize yourself no matter what. Like you can do whatever you want with it because people have created this for the general public to use. Sony, wanting to cash in on this nostalgia fucking craze, decided to take this open source software, this emulator software, that was already emulating PS1 games, and just put it into a console that they will then sell back to you for more money. It's like a cash grab, it's a cash cow, fucking pisses me off. It's just hilarious because they're definitively showing that they have put no effort into this this nostalgia box but they're gonna make so much money and that's what pisses me off it's like they still are gonna win yeah they are uh it's sort of funny Uh, it doesn't surprise me um you know i i I, yeah whatever i'm surprised they don't have a little bit more appreciation for their own earlier lineup but at the same time i'm curious to see how upset everyone's going to be with whatever n64's version is going to be you know Mm. So, everyone's always upset. No one's ever happy, but the PlayStation Classic list of games in particular sucked pretty bad. So, um, shout out to the team who chose those games. Y'all are awful. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) on to our next story. Uh, And this one is sort of interesting. You already know how I feel about uh, sports game esports, but... In this case, the NBA PA, or NBPA rather, which is the National Basketball Players Association, which is the uh, NBA players' official union, signed a deal designed to help their players uh, become video game stars. And so in that case, um, it's interesting. Shout out to Ben Fisher over at Esports Observer for this one. Uh, And it's interesting only because we've talked about the crossover. between you know celebrities and from basketball being pretty big gamers and in this case uh they signed a deal with ready up uh to launch uh basically a web tool that would allow them to create a little software to make streaming easy for them would be more or less the basis of it uh it shows that you know obviously nba has the most marketable personalities out of all the professional leagues um, and they coincide pretty well with gaming. I'm sure the NFL has a few as well, but the NBA just has more. Um, and you see those stats on players? Players yeah. playing games? Yeah. 100%. 85%? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me because it was like what they said. It's like, what do you do? All you do is play basketball and when you're not doing it, what do you do? You chill and you play video games. And so that's sort of funny. And so... Uh, just shows they're further uh, investing in it. You know, the NBA and a lot of their teams have invested in the NBA 2K League, um, which we're actually going to have a little bit of information for you uh, in regards to something related to NBA 2K in the near future. Uh, But, you know, that's pretty much all we got for quick scope here. We do want to end on one little note. This is probably a little 
probably a little five-minute conversation. So consider this a, an in-between. I don't really have a sound cue for this, so I am just going to rock <laughs> the Hadouken for no reason. And that is that the Game Award nominees were announced uh, as a topic I did want to touch on. Just a little bit. Uh, what were your thoughts? You Anything that popped out? So for me, the Game of the Year ones, which were sort of obvious, uh, you know, it was Spider-Man, uh, Red Dead 2, God of War. Surprise sneak in with Celeste. Um, Monster Hunter it? World. Monster Hell Hunter yeah. World. And what was the last one? RDR. Oh, R- no, uh, no, RDR 2. Assassin's Spider- Creed Odyssey. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. So uh, I'm curious why. <laughs> I don't know. It's not a bad list. I am curious to see if Red Dead ends up beating God of War 2. Uh, or God of War, rather. That's going to be an interesting one. I think God of War is going to win. I, I really think, think Spider-Man ended up falling the furthest out of that sort of trifecta race because For sure. it really shows, and that, that's what it really showed to me because when it came out, and I remember being on the show, even maybe it was over text match where I said, to me, even though as much as I love Red Dead 2, like God of War is the best game of the year in terms of its structuredness and how it... it God of War is the best game of the year. I thought Spider-Man would end up sort of riding out like a mass popularity and beating out God of War. And then that's also because I sort of didn't think about Red Dead. And as fun as and incredible as Red Dead 2 is, um, it just showed me that Spider-Man sort of fell out of those three uh, in terms of tiers of rankings. And it shows why so so many companies ended up skipping out trying to compete against Red Dead 2. God of War is the best game of the year is basically what I wanted to get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And the fact that I sort of missed the sort of curious games that sort of popped up, like Cuphead from last year, and the lack of a game like that really becomes dark. Like, Dude, that's you know Celeste, I mean? man. Nah, Celeste is I'm just good. just saying, that's where Celeste comes in. It is, but it's sort of like not that version. You know I mean, that's sort of like lightning in a bottle. And so the following year, we don't have a similar version. We're nothing against Celeste, you know, obviously, but the... Cuphead just had such a uniqueness to it. Otherwise, it just sort of shows how a little bit top-heavy maybe the gaming was for the year. Uh, A lot of the titles are similar from years before. Nothing really new has made a sort of major splash, you know, because, and that's why I'm saying, like, last year you had PUBG sort of pop out, and then by the time PUBG was starting to get awarded, people were like, oh, shit, maybe Fortnite's it, you know? That's what the next couple of months ended up bringing, I think that's it's sort of funny to be able to see that difference over the course of a year. Like last year's Game Awards, you know, was you know, fucking doctor, doctor disrespect. Look at where we are, you know, almost right, a year later, right, right. where it went from yo know, doctor disrespect came out of nowhere. This guy's the face of Twitter to ninjas, literally the face of gaming to a certain to a certain degree, if you really think about it, but. Oh, hypothetical. Anyway, on to. You have anything? Anything to add to that? Anything about the nominations? <laughs> on I guess. to Lilo. And, on to Lilo. Uh, your ramble was pretty good, pretty spot on. I think that comment about being top heavy is very true. There's no necessarily original IPs. I think Celeste is the one that sticks out in terms of game of the year and those kind of things. But you have best ongoing game is one of the, the categories. And like Destiny 2, we've heard about. Fortnite obviously has been around for a full year. Destiny 2 no deserves Man's nothing. It, I'm just saying, it got really good, dude. Oh. You haven't played it. It got real good. Um, Overwatch is on there. And then you got Rainbow Six Siege, which we know about. These are all games that you've heard about, have been around, and that's why it's called best ongoing game. They should have game a comeback player of the year award. interesting. They, I mean, they might. They, they kind of do. You got best score, best music, best auto design, kind of, yeah. There's just a lot of categories, a lot of games. It seems like there's a lot of sequels and also IPs that have been heard about in the past. Like Monster Hunter World is nothing new, but it's a new game in Monster Hunter, if that makes sense. So I want to see something original. We'll see how the awards play out. And then I'm sure we'll have so much more to say then, especially when we read other reviews and get more informed about how other people feel who are also players in the industry let's go with that yeah and you should not have a favorite moment of the 2017 awards 
nomination. That shouldn't be an award. <laughs> right. It should just be like a fucking <laughs> retrospective or some shit. So well, they're modeling after the uh, what is it? ESPN's, I know what they're trying to do. The fucking which call it? They have free. Yeah, the SBs exactly. Yeah, they're they're modeling it after at the SBs. SBs are like diet entertainment industry awards. So why the fuck you do model your shit after that? But anyway, on to a little bit of solo something or another because instead of calling it a recommendation or a rant, I'm just going to call it something or another because I'm either going to be complimenting or yelling about or complaining about or criticizing or something or another. (laughs) You get the point. Anyway, uh, this one was just a little curious to me, and that was that uh, the audio design lead behind the original Xbox Startup Sound ended up doing a little interview with the podcast 20,000 Hertz, um, and his name is Brian Schmidt, and he just sort of talked about the design process for the sound and the sort of pressure that they faced, and I thought it was cool because... You know, when we in the book review ended up covering console wars, it went up to sort of the end of Sega and Nintendo. I'm really curious to see, like, once you got into the more sophisticated version of technologies, that era of competition. And in this case, you know, Microsoft's entry into the console market would be a very, very interesting story. Maybe we'll end up doing a, a, a couple of episodes long series on that in season three. You never know. You could, you could be getting some new, but regardless, uh, it's totally Wait, worth the listen. Highlights, tell us the highlights, man. Uh, like a little bit of the highlights. The um, if you don't recall, there was a tight deadline, so basically it ended up being a course of eighteen months from uh, the creation to hitting store shelves. So it basically showed how Microsoft was in a little bit of a rush. And they basically talked about trying to create a technology-driven sound that would sound appealing, but that would also sound unique in comparison to a couple of the other sounds in the gaming market, which we will please hit the sound cue for Sega so people know what to expect. Sega! That is what you were dealing with. (laughs) Like, you know, so... They wanted something a bit more sophisticated because Microsoft was, or the Xbox could arguably, you know, be sort of like a, one of the more. I did the, the Xbox came out before PS2, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's one of the more sophisticated pieces of technology to hit the market for gaming, and you know, obviously PS2 went and just like ate its lunch money, but that's not even. You know, no, no, that's a lie. It ate its breakfast, lunch, and dinner money. It just robbed it. It Red Dead Murder Two. Robbed it. <laughs> Ruddered it. <laughs> Ruddered it. Ruddered. All right. But that's all I had to add. Thoroughly interesting uh, listen. And there's also an article over on Game of Sutra about it by Emma Kidwell. Check that shit out. We'll throw it up on the Twitter this week uh, for you to check out as well. That's all I got. I like it. I like it. All right. I uh, appreciate the info. Definitely interested. I actually didn't get a chance to check that out before we recorded this episode. So I will be doing that following the episode. That's actually something that we should do. I realize we need to throw out the articles or at least our location of where we find all this information for you friends and fans out there. Um, Now, although we've been rambling a little bit, I want to keep it short for you. The long-awaited re-debut of... Motherfucking game spotlight. All right. Super excited. I'm going to try to keep this short and sweet because we do want to try to keep this episode to an hour for you so that uh, you don't grow tired of us. So without further ado, let me debut my experiences with Gloomhaven. Okay. What is Gloomhaven and who made it? Well, Gloomhaven was made by a man named Isaac Kilchris, Kildris, which is Gilchrist really, but it's like Childress. Either way, Isaac Childress... And it was published by Cephalofair Games, okay? Game is a dungeon crawler RPG that is a board game, okay? And this is interesting. It's it's sort of in line with the Pandemic Legacy, which was the first interview I ever did for the show way back in the day. And when I say it's sort of in line with that, well, anything Shout that has a Matt legacy Laycock. name. There you go, Matt Laycock. What's up, what's up, OG? Number one. OG, OG. Okay, for, for Lilo. <laughs> uh, 
So anything, any board game that has a legacy on it implies that the board game can change. The rules of the game and the structure of the game can change over time, which is something that's never been incorporated into board games, to my knowledge, before. And normally when you play a game like fucking Monopoly, the board never changes. You always just play Monopoly. You understand what's happening. You play Sorry, you play Trouble, you understand what's going on. Anything that's legacy-based, it'd be like, hey, imagine Boardwalk and Park Place just got obliterated off the map. Well, how does that change the game dynamics? What's the next most valuable gameplay? How does it structure? Well, Gloomhaven is a game designed in that vein. And what's interesting about Gloomhaven was that it was actually successfully kickstarted not once, but twice since 2015. So 2015, Isaac decided to go into making this game. He's just the only man creating it. It obviously garnered a whole bunch of interest and Gloomhaven is currently the top rated game on BoardGameGeeks.com, which is the definitive number one website where people go to review board games. So if you're interested in board games and want to see what's good out there, BoardGameGeek, it's a forum. It's like a Reddit just for board games, and it's kind of sweet. Anyway, let's go back. Um, I want to give you some gameplay details, like just to give you an idea of what the game is like. This box is fucking a foot and a half by a foot high. It is a big, massive box. Uh, and let's go with uh, another foot wide. So it, it's huge, okay? The box itself weighs about like 15 pounds. Think about 15 pounds of paper. That's a lot of fucking paper. When you open the box, you just have that same experience of any board game, but just like times 20 because there's 17 million different things that you have to pop out. There's stickers, there's extra boards, there's little figurines, there's other mini boxes, and you get like this little hit of dopamine as you go through. Um, anyway, this game is absolutely massive. It's actually kind of encumbersome to unpack. And as you're playing, it's like, it's been related to Dungeons and Dragons, except Dungeons and Dragons on rails, meaning there are guide rails that push you in a certain direction. They give you that same experience, except it's in a more structured environment, whereas you don't have a DM that can literally make any rules up on the fly. This is rules, but you work within the, the boundary of the game itself, set by Isaac, and I don't know, it's pretty fucking crazy. So to read you a little description super quick about what the game is, Gloomhaven is a Euro design tactical combat in a persistent world of shifting motives. Players take on the role of a wandering adventure with their own special set of skills and their reasons for traveling. Players must work together with the necessity of clearing out menacing dungeons and other ruins. In the process, you enhance your abilities, naturally. You gain experience in loot, you discover new locations, explore and plunder together, and then expand an ever-branching story fueled by the decisions you make. If that to you reminds you of an RPG, then you're correct. Because what they did, or what Isaac did, is he took an RPG game that you would normally play in video game world and made it into a board game. So as you're going through, you're making those individual character decisions like, do I want to use a potion here? Do I want to attack here? Do I not want to do this? Do I want to do that? But you're doing that within the bounds of your party and your party members are made up by other people. So I played with four of us. There's four of us total. Over the past week, I played for probably close to 10 hours. And it's kind of insane. It's only two separate sessions, but it shows how expansive and how intense this game is. Granted, the first time around, anytime you play a board game, it's like trying to learn the rules. Second time around was much quicker. We were more in depth and more involved, but also included a lot of alcohol, so it was a little tough. Hey. Um, as you're going through the world, like I was saying, every decision you make has consequences, and those consequences are kept track, like kept track of with little ailments or stickers or whatnot, and. Dude, this game is absolutely ridiculous. What makes it the most unique that people like is that the combat is based on cards, but these cards are used in a unique way. So each turn a player is gonna choose two cards to play out their hand. The number of the top card, the number on the card, on the top card determines your initiative. An initiative essentially puts you in a queue of when you're going to perform your actions. So I get to pick two cards from my hand of 10. If one card says 10 and the other card says 80, my initiative is 10. I go with the lowest initiative out of the group of two. Everyone else in my party does the same thing. We line them up, see who gets to go first, and that person goes first. However, the enemies that you're facing in that particular dungeon also have initiative, and so they fit in that queue as well. Once you determine your initiative and whoever goes first, say I get to go first, 
of those two cards, there's a top and bottom. It's usually an attack and a move, okay, on each of the cards. You can only perform one attack from one card and one move action from another card. And what they refer to it is as you can only refer or you can only perform the top action of one card and the bottom action of another card. So whatever they are, you have to do over time. You use up all your cards and you can rest to get your cards back. However, you lose one of your cards permanently until you finish that scenario. There's like hundreds and hundreds of scenarios in this game. Overall, I gave you a whole bunch of details. There's, there's just honestly too much to cover in a two minute spotlight, but feelings about the game, fucking incredible. If you have friends who are dedicated to details, who love the immersive nature of board games, who love being you know, next to each other and playing, it's like a LAN, but playing a game, uh, Gloomhaven's for you. The caveat to Gloomhaven is that it requires you to have dedicated friends. It is expansive. It is massive. You're going to spend a shit ton of hours playing this game, and you need to make sure you have dedicated individuals who are going to play with you. Couple that with a very, very expensive price. This price is, right now, it is a hundred and like 19 bucks oh, on Amazon for a, board game? for a board game. But that's the thing. It's like, imagine investing hundreds of hours into a video game. If you knew you were gonna play, I don't know, God of War for like 120 hours, would you say it's worth 120 bucks? Like a dollar an hour? Maybe. You know, maybe not. I don't know. Like, that's the thing. It's about an immersive experience and what you get out of it. But for this board game, it's awesome. It's fucking sweet. Worth the price. Uh, I'm loving it. I can't wait to go back and play again. You actually get to retire board. You get to retire characters over time. It's fully expensive, immersive, solo. I wish you liked board games. It's fucking awesome. We'll get around to it one day. And... Uh, the return of Lilith's Game Spotlight, which mm-hmm. we know the uh, the fans had been fiending, and so we have now delivered. And we'll be back in plenty of interesting ways with that for you in Season 3 as well, which I I'm going to keep plugging. Already. Got a queue. It, so it, excited. And now, let's take a quick one, because to be frankly honest, it's final lap time, and we had a daily try to shoot for an hour. I don't know how far we into, into it we are. But since we're kicking this topic from last week, we're going to be pretty smooth with it. We'll keep a light mm-hmm. 10 minutes. So the question that was posed was whether companion apps, which are companion mobile apps for games on consoles or on PC, were the future of, uh, were the, basically the future of gaming and, and the answer, in short, is yes, because Leo and I both definitively agree about it. Uh, that is the fact that, you know, he and I have been, or Leo first introduced me to the concept of gaming companion apps with Oversumo, and this was like maybe a year and a half, two years ago almost. Yeah, with, no, exactly. You know, when Overwatch first came out. When Overwatch first came out, and it was a, basically sort of like a a fitness tracking app but for your gaming statistics and although it didn't give you recommendations it was able to give you certain criteria with which to judge yourself or to improve on Mm -hmm. we actually and it was by a a company called dojo madness we actually ended up trying to get their founders interviewed we had set up an email exchange hopefully now that we are bigger and have more listeners so be willing to come on the show but Mm -hmm. regardless um and so to see this now sort of balloon in the sense that Red Dead 2 has a companion. So basically, uh, I guess to, to even backtrack a little bit before I get into other ones, uh, that is a concept that is now catching on beyond just, you know, FPSs say, you know, now you're seeing a larger sort of, you're basically seeing the inter- mobile and gaming integration occur through companion apps. Leo yep. and I tried to test this last night when we were playing Paladins on Nintendo Switch, which, shout out to Paladins, yo, your game is not terrible, and on Switch is really fun, because it is shout out to fun. Nintendo, Handheld. you yeah. ain't got shit to play, and Pokemon Let's Go is not going to be, uh, you know, a satisfying enough experience that Paladins offers, which is sort of like a, <laughs> you know, the Switch version of Overwatch, basically. Yeah. but It's Overwatch Lite. Yeah, it's Overwatch Lite. It's not RC Cola Overwatch. It's just diet. But yeah, regardless, it's just diet. 
uh, it is uh, interesting because we tried using the Nintendo mobile app because you have to use that to do voice chatting because for some reason there's no voice chat voice feature chatting service yes yeah, not yet as part of Nintendo online which the fuck are you launching an online service for without a voice chat but and the only game they have is Splatoon, Splatoon. 2 so <laughs> the fuck are you doing out there Nintendo I'm going to sh- we should almost run back that title what is you doing Nintendo yeah but uh, whatever you're doing you're doing it poorly so don't blow the lead that you got with the switch on bad mistakes but I reserved Super Smash Brothers, so who am I to talk shit about Nintendo for now? Anyway, um, move on. Dude, Call I have some it. things. Go. Uh, I just, there's a shit ton of apps, obviously, that have companion apps. And like, when Solo and I were researching this, we realized that this question, although like it seemed novel at first, are companion apps the future of mobile? Like, just doing the research and thinking about the interconnectivity of our world now. It was, it's inevitable, and he's 100% right. It just makes sense. You're going to have a cell phone on you at all times. That's just what we do in America, in first world countries, in any world country that's going to have Wi-Fi everywhere. Uh, that's just what's going to happen. So video games has to do that because they want to bring video games into your life in every aspect of your life, okay? Now, the other thing I was going to say is the caveat in the research is that we realized that there's so many more games that had companion apps that we didn't fucking know about which means they did a very bad job or a poor job of marketing that shit. And I'm just going to give you a quick rundown. I don't know if some of you were planning on doing this, but I'm going to steal you it from you. You can give us a cut uh, of this, too, if any of you guys get a boost in traffic. We're going to call it something similar to the Colbert bump. We're going to call it the People's Push. Oh, <laughs> People's Push. Well, if you didn't know, here's some companion apps out there for your gaming pleasure. All right. First and foremost, like Sully mentioned, you got Red Dead. Okay, you got your companion app. I had no fucking idea, but you can open up the map and link it up to your social Rockstar account, which is what they do for the online service for GTA, whatever the fuck. Cool. You can see yourself on the map real time and it's interactive and you can use your fingers. You can go around. So instead of having to hold start to open up the fucking map and it takes like a second, you can just use your phone and like zoom where you want to go and set all that shit there. It was great. Uh, Overwatch, solo covered. You got over sumo. You have the ability to track your stats and they give you some hints. That's great. Call of Duty has some other stupid apps. I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, it's frustrating. But other games, there's a Fallout Pip Boy app, which tracks your inventory and stats. There's a game that I love to play. It's called Mirror's Edge that had a companion app that listed a 3D map plus progression and showed you time trials. So you can go ahead and do those. There's the Destiny companion app that I definitely use. Hella useful inventory manager. Uh, it allowed you to set certain sets, if that makes sense. Anyone who's ever done a raid, you understand that you have different sets for different types of bosses. So you could do that shit and set them and then it would update real time in the game. So if I just on my phone was like, I want to go to set number two, click, boom, in the game, it updated and I was wearing different armor. It was fucking convenient, super easy instead of having to go into my inventory and worry about that shit. Star Wars Battlefront has a companion app that allows you to play mini games to grind. Titanfall, we fucking love Titanfall here. Titanfall allowed you to have a second map so you could track friends in the game, which meant as you're playing the game, you could see where everyone was without having to reference your mini map as long as you had your cell phone up next to you. Dying Light was a game that I beat, allowed you to do extra mini games and get in-game loot even though it was on your phone. And then we get into other things that are definitely companion apps that Solo and I probably, it's not our intent, or at least when we thought of this idea, it wasn't our intent, but these could be considered companion apps. It's like, you got your Xbox Smart Glass app or just your Xbox app. You got your Steam app, you got your PlayStation app, and your Nintendo app. All those things allow you to manage your game inventory, allow you to manage all the the money and whatever the fuck you want to do with your games. Like, I... those are never going away. The convenience is there, and I like it. But I don't uh, know, man. What I'm going to add a you different take. take? I, I think that, funny enough, and this is going to be our closing note, so we can not get you guys to then hour and a half episode, try to hopefully get you out here in hour 10. Um, and that is the fact that how companion apps are going to function will be something the entertainment industry is extremely jealous of because with a lot of television shows and Netflix, etc., you're usually 
having the consumer distracted from their screen that they're trying you're trying to get them to focus on so that they could go on their phone so with television it's usually tweeting movies it's nothing because don't have your fucking phone out during a movie and (laughs) during sporting events from avid movie fans exactly um and if you're teenagers you will get called out if you're talking but regardless Mm -hmm. um yeah, so see to see that's the secondary you screen, you're, you're not tweeting, you're and so you're Just keeping the screen. So exactly, but for gaming, that secondary screen doesn't doesn't serve as something that could track. It serves as a secondary means of reinforcement into the immersion of what you're doing. So it's accessory to, or supplementary, exactly. It's like one of those and things. So, that's that's a good point. Yeah, and so I wouldn't be surprised if someone has a setup, you know, iPad. Where their, where their gaming seat is just so they can sort of the same way you would the dashboard of like a ship sort of look in with your left hand as you're gaming. Yep. You know? Yep, 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 yep. And so uh, expect these to evolve, expect these to become very dominant, and expect a lot of investment into these. So um, if you're a company, hit us up. We charge consulting fees, but you'll be rewarded <laughs> as you we will. get paid. Dude, but anyway, that's all I got. I like it. That's all we have uh, for today, I suppose. Um, Pretty solid rundown. I mean, mean, we gave you a lot of information. We talked a fuck ton. And sorry if I was the one rambling today, because I definitely was. Super excited about the topics. And the game spot was dope. Come on, guys. It was just so fucking dope. Gloomhaven. Let's go. I was sharp and to the precision because, I don't know. He he wants to play some Paladins. That's why. Hey, hey. You you already know. (laughs) Peace. Bye. that's all we got for you uh be tuned in uh for next week check out the reddit at people like games mm-hmm. subscribe so on so forth plugs the end and now Team. Lilo take us out thank you for listening appreciate it uh we have some big news coming for you so stick around and be prepared to maybe hear some consistent audio quality in the future more on that next week All right, later. Boosh.